You're listening to Keep the Main Thing, the Main Thing podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. Welcome everyone to the Pines Church online experience. My name is Matt Joy. I am the lead pastor here, and I am so excited that you decided to carve out 25 minutes and change to study God's word alongside us. For those of you that may be joining for the very first time, welcome. Uh, We are in the middle of a series titled The F Word. Um, in the F word that we need to use a whole lot more of in the church and in our culture is forgiveness. And so last week we unpacked that and I learned a very valuable lesson. This is something that was shared with me when I stepped into ministry and I've always known, but I was really tested in this week that when you're going to preach or teach on a particular topic, just be prepared to be tested in that area and so this has definitely been a week where i've been tested in the forgiveness area there have been many things that have come up misunderstandings um statements that were made that uh at first glance i could take in a negative light and i definitely had the opportunity a lot (laughs) to be offended and i had to really work towards not being offended. I really had to run to scripture and and camp out on those those verses that I shared with you last week to find refuge and peace in the midst of them. So I want you to understand this, that you're never going to get to the point where you don't have the opportunity uh, to be offended. As long as you are breathing, you are going to have the opportunity to be offended. That's why Jesus said it's impossible that we will not see offense. Now, you don't have to be offended, though. And so we all have the opportunity to be able to offer forgiveness and to be able to look beyond the person that may be hurling those insults towards us or or those actions at us. And so I'm going to kind of pick up there and and define that word forgiveness again again for those that weren't there forgiveness is defined as stopping the feeling of being angry or resentful towards someone for an offense or a mistake in that definition um there are two different types of people people who think that they've been mistreated, and then people who have genuinely been mistreated. And so last week I started off by saying, we're not gonna focus on the people who think they've been mistreated because there's a lot of people out there who think they've been wronged, who think they've been done you know, dirty, but in reality, it's just the way that they're looking at the situation. So there's something going on inside of them and they're interpreting those words or those actions to build a narrative that they bought somewhere along the line. We're not gonna deal with that today. We're gonna focus on people that have been like genuinely hurt. Like somebody did something maliciously to hurt you or gossiped about you with the intent to slander and to denigrate your name because that is happening all around us. So what do you do in response to somebody gossiping to you? What do you do in response to somebody genuinely mistreating you and trying to hurt you? I had a lot of people reach out to me last week. And 
I want to quantify that. Like I didn't get thousands of, of text messages, but I got more of a response to last week's message than I've gotten to any of the other messages. So I'll say that. And um, people were, well, how can I forgive this person if they've done this? And how can I forgive this person if they won't even answer the phone when I call? And so immediately I noticed that there's some confusion on forgiveness and reconciliation. So I wanted to define those two things. Forgiveness, I just defined. Reconciliation is defined as this, the process of two people or groups in conflict agreeing to make amends or come to a truce. So think of it like this. Reconciliation takes two. Okay, I can want to reconcile with you, but if you're not willing to reconcile with me, there is no reconciliation. But forgiveness only takes one. You can hate me, but I can still choose to forgive you and to extend forgiveness towards you. And so we're focusing on forgiveness in this in this lesson. And in another lesson, we'll focus more on reconciliation. But unforgiveness, I want you to think about it. When we don't extend forgiveness, when we choose to remain offended and upset and angry and bitter towards our brother for genuinely mistreating you, okay? I want you to think of it as it's choosing to stay trapped in a, in a jail cell of bitterness serving time for someone else's crime. So when we harbor unforgiveness or we harbor an offense, really we are just imprisoning ourselves. We're keeping that vitriol, we're keeping that offense, we're keeping that anger inside of us. Now you can do some fancy gymnastics of trying to compartmentalize that offense, that wound and that hurt, and put it somewhere where you think you're never going to see it again. But what that does is it begins to fester and it changes the way that you see your brothers and sisters. It changes the way that you see yourself. It changes the way that you see the world. It's poison and it's working through your body. And so the best thing that you can do is to let go of these things. But when we don't offer forgiveness, somehow we think we're punishing, right? The person that hurt us but when in reality, we're just hurting ourselves. This is why Paul wrote in Colossians that we must, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. That's Colossians 3.13 in the English Standard Version. You know, I closed last week's message in talking about forgiveness and talking about letting go of offense and bitterness that with this, a person who can't forgive is a person who's forgotten what they've been forgiven of. And I think that was the statement that a lot of people had a hard time with. And so we're going to take a deep dive this week into looking at the life of Jesus, because Jesus was the one that forgave all of our sins before we ever cleaned ourselves up and before we ever took a step towards him, Jesus offers each and every single one of us, even the person that wounded you, the most diabolically evil person that's drawing breath on this planet today, 
He has offered them forgiveness if they would confess their sins, repent, and submit to the Lordship of Jesus in their life. Forgiveness is made available. So Luke 23, 34, Jesus modeled true forgiveness when he hung on the cross and he, and he said these words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So I want, you to th- I, th- I want you to think about that. Everybody knows that scripture. So that didn't wow anyone here, but I will actually want you to think about Jesus' words. Not only was Jesus extending forgiveness towards his torturers, towards the ones that were mocking him, towards the ones that abandoned him, towards the ones that were falsely accusing him, because that's one thing. He was also... He was also asking the Father to forgive them. See, sometimes we forgive people, but in the back of my mind, we're thinking, yeah, I forgive you, man, but yours is coming. Karma's a B word, and it's coming for you, right? So that isn't sincere and genuine forgiveness, right? Because we're still holding on to a little bit of that bitterness. Here's Jesus not only extending forgiveness, but also asking the Father to forgive them for what they put him in. And if you take an even deeper dive into that, not only is he forgiving the people that tortured him and mocked him and and betrayed him and abandoned him, he's also forgiving the next generation and the next generation and the next generation all the way down to you and me offering that forgiveness. Scott Hubbard said it like this. This statement just blew me away as I was preparing this message. It just hit me right square in the middle of the heart. He hung there on the cross, pouring out the kindness of his forgiven heart from the wounds that we created. It was our sin that put him on that cross. And as Jesus walked this world and stripped himself of his divine privilege and walked it as a son of man, not sinning, offering himself up as the ultimate atonement and sacrifice for my sin, for your sin, for all of the collective world's sin, he freely gave himself to us, offering forgiveness freedom from the penalty of sin and freedom from the bondage and penalty of, sorry, freedom from the penalty of sin and freedom from the bondage of sin, the slavery of sin in the here and now. Have you ever taken the time to think about this? God didn't have to forgive us. He didn't. He did not have to forgive us, but he chose to forgive us. And so equally, we have a choice that has been set before us. Will we allow the tentacles of offense and bitterness to ravage our heart and to poison the way that we see everything? Or will we let go of that offense and offer a forgiveness that was freely offered to us. See, from the very, very beginning, God knew 
that tomorrow, what tomorrow would bring. Jesus came to save us from the curse of sin that we couldn't free ourselves from and that we got ourselves into by disobeying his commandment. See, God didn't condemn us. God came to save us from what man condemned himself into. That's why Paul wrote in Ephesians, in Ephesians 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood, so we've been redeemed, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. God's forgiveness is a product of his grace and his mercy. He's been gracious to forgive us and he expects us to offer that forgiveness towards those who trespass against us. You remember when the disciples were around Jesus and they're like, Jesus, we have no idea how we should pray, what we should be praying. We see the Pharisees praying. You're not praying like that. How sh- can, can you just teach us how to pray? So Jesus taught him how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And we talked about in the book of Acts, it says that we must exercise forgiveness. And so this may be something that is extremely difficult for you to do. You know, when I first started going to the gym, I could barely bench press 134, 135. I had to exercise and work my way up to 185, and then eventually 200, then eventually 225. I had to exercise myself towards that. And so you may be in a place where someone has genuinely mistreated you, and the only thing that you can utter out is, God, forgive them. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may get to a place, God, I pray that you would prosper them. I pray that they would know you the best a man could know you. I pray that you would unite their marriage, that they would fall deeply in love with one another, that you'd bless their kids, that you would open up provision. We can get to that place, but we must exercise ourselves towards that. Okay? So, and we can only do it with God's grace, which takes us beyond our natural ability. And so... um, I want you to walk away with some big ideas from Jesus' sacrifice in forgiving us that I think every believer needs to settle inside of their hearts. Often we hear, God's forgiven us, and then we just move on with our life, but we don't take the time to ponder, to meditate, to think on, to ruminate on what that actually means. What does it mean that God paid the greatest ransom in the universe to forgive us of our sins, to tear the veil, to make a way and a path towards eternal life and for us to be in unbroken relationship with him. And so Paul writes in Colossians that we should bear with one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also must we forgive one another. You have received your forgiveness as a gift. And this is the big idea. God's forgiveness, it's a gift. There's nothing you did to earn it. And there's nothing you can do to, you know, to strive to keep it. God gave it to you. It's a gift. And you receive that gift by faith. And so freely, we've received that 
freely we should extend and give that same forgiveness to others. Number two, it's our choice to accept God's free gift of forgiveness, okay? God doesn't force us to receive that gift. He doesn't force us to confess, confess our sins. He merely offers it up to anyone that wants to take him up on that. John 3.16, probably the most popular scripture in all of the Bible, for God so loved the world. It doesn't say the church. It says, of course God loves the church, but the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believeth in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God has made an extended an invitation to all of mankind, but he does not force it on you. He has honored your free will as he honored Adam and Eve's free will in the garden. And they chose to circumvent God's command and eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, bringing, evil, bringing sin into the world. Psalm 130 says this, with God there is forgiveness. And not out of reluctance or necessity, but out of the overflow of God's heart. God's heart is a heart that extends forgiveness. See, re repentance is turning away from our offense and embracing our divine nature. So to forgive is to move and operate in the divine nature of God because God has forgiven us. See, Proverbs 19.11 says this, and this is a difficult scripture. Um, to digest sometimes. It says, and this is in the Amplified, good sense and discretion make a man slow to anger, and it is his honor and glory to overlook a transgression or an offense without seeking revenge or harboring resentment. I think the King James says, to the glory of a man to overlook an offense. Why? The book of Acts tells us Chapter 10, verse 43. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. God doesn't just want us to religiously obey the act of confessing our sins. He wants us to actually change. That is the whole point in the purpose of forgiveness in, in extending forgiveness is for us to shape our hearts towards his. Day by day, we're sacrificing our control, what we think and deem is control, and embracing God's grace and freedom. We're becoming more like him. Things that we want to hold on to. And I felt it this week. I experienced it. There were things that were said and I want to say, man, immediately I wanted to justify myself. Immediately I wanted to defend myself. Immediately I wanted to point out while, why they were wrong and I was right. I mean, it rose up in me. And if it weren't for the fact that I was just preaching this message and these scriptures were still fresh inside of me, I might have said something that I couldn't have taken back, that could have put a divide between me and that individual. And so I made a choice in this particular instance to extend forgiveness, and they didn't even know it. They were offended with me, and I went low 
and apologized and asked for their forgiveness, but really I was offended and I wanted to voice and air my grievances towards them. But I remember to the glory of a man to overlook an offense and I knew that they were already struggling with their offense towards me. And so I had the opportunity to heap more, to build more of the narrative of why I am against them and why I am the villain in this particular narrative, but I chose to take the high road, not in my own strength, because I wanted to chew them out. But I leaned on the scriptures and God's grace to extend forgiveness in private so that when I went to them, I could, I could not only receive their accusations towards me, but apologize and repent. Now, I am not saying that we shouldn't stand up for ourselves. And I'm not sharing that we should hide the truth. But in this particular instance, okay, it was a matter of, it was a matter of offense, of accusation. You know, well, you took it this way, I took it this way. And I knew that the best thing that I could do is just go low and just apologize in the situation. And that creates an open atmosphere when I did that. It took the feelings that were like this because I was ready to go full speed at them. They were going full speed at me. But when I came in and I went low and I said, I apologize. I'm sorry I shouldn't have responded in that manner. I found the one thing that I could take ownership of. I've, I might have felt in that situation that in the problem collectively, I owned 1% and they owned 99%. I own the 1%. And in owning the 1%, all of a sudden, they went from level 99, okay, and they, they, it, it got calm. All of a sudden, they weren't angry. The emotions left the, the phone call, and they were able to say, you know what, and, and I, there were some things that I was struggling with too. And so in that particular instance, we did have reconciliation because I had the four sense to lean on the Holy Spirit because again, I wanted, this isn't me being good. I wanted to go off on them, but because these scriptures, I leaned on them, I was able to create an atmosphere where we could reconcile instead of what the enemy wanted to do, divide. And maybe I could have potentially lost a brother in my life because of the things that I said to them. So, I read that, okay. Ephesians 4.31 says this, because here's what was happening. He said, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. So how do we get free from bitterness, from anger, from slander, from malice? He tells us by forgiving one another by not holding on to those things forgiveness is holding on to or unforgiveness is holding on to everything you want to get rid of Luz smeeds i know that's an interesting name but said this to forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that that prisoner was you you see not extending forgiveness, holding on to unforgiveness, holding on to offense, is holding on to all the things that you want to let go, that Paul warns us about. So lastly, finally, I want to I close with this. Hope and peace are in Christ. 
are rooted in God's forgiveness. This week, I shared with you, I was tested. That was one particular example, but I was tested in many different areas. And you know what it resulted in? Uh, I had the opportunity to pick up a fence. And there were times that I let it go, and there were times that I pick it, picked it back up again. Because one of the things that I want to prepare you for is that you're not instantly healed, even when you extend that forgiveness. I was tempted, and I did pick that offense back up again and started thinking about it late at night, where my wife is talking to me, but I'm not hearing anything that she's saying. So as a result of stewing on this offense, I sacrificed intimacy with my wife. My son turned seven. And I like to think for the most of the day, I was there to celebrate him, to honor him, to love on him. But there were times when I was staring off, trying to problem solve, trying to think about why I'm justified in my anger um, with this particular thing. So I'd pick the offense back up and then I'd have to remind myself, no, I need to let this go. I stayed up, I, I slept terrible this week because I kept thinking about it at the end of the night, my wheels were spinning. And so holding on to a fence doesn't just affect you. It affects everybody inside of your sphere. I had a problem connecting with Jess this week in intimacy. I had a problem connecting with my son who was celebrating a birthday. I had a problem when some people in my church were coming to me and they were sharing things with me and I was listening, like half listening and half trying to problem solve this other thing. And so it robs you of the moment, robs you of being present in the moment. So who is it really affecting, right? When you forgive, you're setting a prisoner free and the prisoner is you. And when I came to a place when I'm fully forgiven, and I'll even be honest, I don't know if I'm fully there because I was tempted to pick it up this morning, but you know what I did instead of stewing on it this morning, and this is how I know I'm on the path to healing, instead of stewing on it and thinking on it, I immediately went to prayer. And I said, God, I know that they are going through a lot or they wouldn't have come at me with this kind of energy. So Lord, I just pray whatever they're dealing with, that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them grace, that they would feel your peace and your strength carrying them through the situation. I pray that their marriage would be rock solid. I pray that you finances wouldn't be an issue. I declare that every single one of their needs are met according to your riches and glory. And what that did is it changed my heart towards them. At the end of the prayer, I was really believing in faith that God's going to come through in a miraculous way for them. And I wasn't sitting there trying to build this narrative of why I'm justified in being upset with them. So I'm on the path to fully healing in this area of words that were mounted against me. And so I want to close with this. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, which you and I are, we are a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Now, there's still some things rattling around, and this is the process of sanctification. Remember, God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, but it was up to them to get Egypt out of themselves. Even though they were delivered from Egypt, and they had all the gold in the world, and they were on the path to the promised land, they still had this backward way of thinking, right? That's why they built the golden calf because there were still these ideas of Egypt inside of them. And so sometimes we still have these ideas, these things that we hold on to. And because the Holy Spirit loves us, he highlights them so we can uproot them and get them out of our life. And so I wanna close with this. For those of us that are in Christ, we have a hope and a peace that cannot be shaken, it cannot be stolen, it transcends uh, this world and anything that an enemy or a friend 
can mount against us. God's forgiveness, okay, is the story of our salvation. From the beginning of time, from the very first pages of scripture, God called us, looked down on us and called us very good and had a plan to save us knowing that we were moments away from just destroying the gift that he had given us in the garden. So I want us this week to think on, to meditate, to collect the scriptures on God's forgiveness towards us and to allow them to take root inside of our heart. And once they take root, once they become rhema, they will change the way that we interact with our brothers and sisters so that if they're going through a tough time and they say some things that they shouldn't say, they're wrong in saying them, that we don't fall under that attack, but that we can rise up, overlook that offense, and offer forgiveness, even though they may not be offering it for us, so that we can participate in the divine nature of God, getting closer to Him, but also be set free from malice, anger, and all of the vitriol that the enemy tries to poison us with. I want to pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you how it helped kept keep my feet on a solid path this week. And I pray that, Lord, as whoever's listening and watching, that these scriptures would take root inside of their heart, that you would set them on a path of forgiveness towards those who have genuinely mistreated them, reminding them of the forgiveness that you've extended towards them. It's not something that they have to contrive. It's, it's part of the divine nature of becoming sons and daughters of God. And I pray that they would be able to receive that grace by faith to be able to extend that forgiveness, not condoning or affirming the sin that has been set against them, but by, over, by being able to look beyond it and offering a road towards and a path towards reconciliation. God, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys so much for diving into God's word. Until next time, Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening to Keep the Main Thing, the Main Thing, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.